Welcome to season three of Motivate Me. We invite you to travel the 50 states in 90 days as we interview people about their passion. Why? In order to inspire you to live a life that's more exciting or more meaningful. This is Motivate Me, and I'm Lynette Renda. Ladies and gentlemen, today I am in Denver, Colorado with friend and fellow podcaster J.V. Crum III. You may recognize J.V. J.V. Crum has been on the show before, um, but today we are talking about his sincere passion for entrepreneurs and specifically conscious entrepreneurs. So, J.V., before we get started, can you define conscious or consciousness as it relates to entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Well, I wrote my book, I wrote it seven times, and about the fifth time I realized that I was actually using the word conscious multiple ways. And I said, wait a minute, if I'm confused, I bet the reader's gonna be confused. So the, the, the next time through the book was cleaning that up. So it's a fabulous question. So I'm actually using a conscious three ways. First, I use conscious to mean aware. Now, aware can be aware of who you are. It can be aware of what you want. It can be aware of what resources you need to use or what's the best strategy to get there or what's going on in the environment economically or in your particular industry or with a client. Being aware of what that client needs and how you can provide what they need. So that's the awareness level. Then the second level, we talk a lot about higher consciousness in our our society. I like to call it visionary consciousness. We think of Steve Jobs, you know, I'm a big Apple person, Steve Jobs had the ability to get a vision that created the iPhone. He didn't go out and do a lot of surveys. I do a lot of surveys. Steve didn't need to do that. Steve tapped into what I call visionary consciousness. It's a bigger understanding of what is is possible in life. It's where a lot of the innovative products come from in businesses. So by tapping into this bigger visionary consciousness that kind of moves beyond you. And a lot of times the way to do that is that you just get into an environment like the nature or you put on some music that just kind of sends you, you know, opening your mind to possibilities. And then the third type, which has really become a a very big theme, not just in the United States, but all over the world, is social consciousness. Social consciousness in terms of everybody winning, social consciousness in terms of 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 the type of products that you create. You think of places like Whole Foods or Patagonia. They're much more socially conscious. It's about how do we win? How do we create sustainable products? How do we create products uh, like or vegetables that they're sustainably farmed? So that's the whole era of uh, how can we create products and services that are gonna add value to people and increase the value that they're adding to society as well. So being aware, being visionary, and then being concerned about the social world that we all live in. You know, I'm, I love that you are all about being mindful as an entrepreneur, being conscious, doing conscious things. But I'm curious where this started for you. I know that you are somebody who comes from very humble beginnings, and I, I know that you've grown into somebody who loves fine art, and 
you've changed a lot through the years as a business person and as a person. But I'm curious where this started for you and, and why or how? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think really it started at age two, you know. Um, I had an uncle who was living above us. We had a two-story home and he had cancer. So this was back in the days if he had cancer, you were just gonna die, mm -hmm. right? So he and his family were living on the second floor and we were living on the first floor. And I used to take him um, a, a little thing of V8 juice every morning, right? So this is one of those stories that you go like, it's not something that I typically talk about, but, but you ask, so I'm gonna tell you. Mm -hmm. So one morning I went around to go up the stairs and what I called as a little boy an angel, and now I would just say, you know, an awareness of a light being, because that is what I experienced, and my uncle had died, and explained to me death. And from that moment forward, I've been someone who totally understood that death is just a transition. I've been called into friends and family members when they're dying. I'm kind of be, I'm the guy who's there who kind of like helps them be comfortable that it's okay that they're dying. I was there with my mom died. I was there when my father died. You know, I wanted it to be okay for them to take this transition. And so I think that really opened me at a very early age to a different conscious awareness that there was something more going on than me or this physical world that we're all living in. And so I became very interested from a very early age about what is this bigger picture? And I think that bigger picture is really what the consciousness movement is all about, that we're part of something bigger. And as human beings, we can contribute to the world becoming better. So how does that lead into entrepreneurship? Well, that's, uh, that takes us to age four. So when I was four, I had a little pup tent I got for my birthday. And there we were living out in the country. We had a tangerine tree on, the, on our property. We had an acre. My grandmother lived with us. So I got my grandmother to save up uh, egg cartons because it was the only thing that we had. And I, so we, then we spent a day and we squeezed tangerine juice into little egg cartons. And I set up my pup tent where the high school students got off of the bus. And for a dime, so I'm going, Lucy had nothing on me. She was getting psychiatric help for a nickel. I was selling tangerine juice in an egg carton. I'm sure they threw it away. But I sold it to these high school students because I figured out they all had jobs and they could pay me. Mm -hmm. So there was my first entrepreneurial activity, and then it was followed by- And you used natural juice, I see. I used Very natural juice, idea. that's right. We didn't add sugar to our tangerine juice. Didn't know we were being sustainable back then. Uh, then I did all kinds of little entrepreneur things. I was selling cards, I was selling candles, I was ordering them out of magazines. Uh, we went to Georgia and had, I picked cotton, and I picked the, and I was selling the cotton, I picked the seeds out of it, my dad, grew 100 acres of peanuts in the, in the uh, summer. And in the South, boiled peanuts is a big deal. So my dad would help me, we would boil them and I would bag them and I would go around for a dime and sell my little boiled peanuts. And then when I was eight, I got an allowance. Now this allowance was all of a dime. Now I'd been selling these tangerine juice for a dime when I was four and I'm thinking this is kind of a ripoff, but I knew I couldn't get out of all this long list of things I had to do. So I immediately said to myself, well, I'm kind of stuck with this 10 cent labor, but I'm going to go out and get paid more. Since, since I had to mow the lawn and that, that was part of that 10 cent and wash the car, 
I got all the neighbors to pay me anywhere from a dollar to five dollars to mow their lawns. And I started a little lawn mowing business because I said, all these other people are going to pay me more money. I'm going to where, you know, where the big players are that have the money to pay me. You were a business dude right from the start. But you know what's interesting <laughs> is I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I never really saw myself that way. When did you start seeing yourself that way? Well, actually, when I was 23 and my dad's business was basically in bankruptcy. I mean, we just hit it there. He was totally broke. And, and it was a regional trucking line, which I had zero interest in. But I loved my dad. I just finished a master's in psychology. I wanted to go to law school. And we talked for a month. And I said, OK. I, it's interesting because I had never taken a business course or read business books. I'd never picked up a business magazine. Because when I was growing up, everybody in that little town had a business. But what did they have in common? They were all broke. And I said to myself, well, owning a business is how you're broke. Now, now we find that kind of funny now, right? Because in today's world, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. It's all about entrepreneurship. But when I was growing up, I actually was a little entrepreneur. But I never even coded it in my mind as I was a business guy because I went, business people are all broke because that's all I knew was broke business people. And there my dad was, you know, really good person and he had a bigger business, but it was broke. So I said, I'll work with you for six months. You know, I, I really want to go to law school, but I also want to help you. It turned out I was kind of the duck to water, that I was actually a business guy. Now, if this had never happened, you know, we kind of, I probably would have become a lawyer. I am a lawyer, I'm licensed in two states, but I don't practice for the public. But I probably would have ended up going to law school anyway. I would have practiced for the public and maybe I'd never been an entrepreneur. But I think the truth is it's who I am. I and, think so. Yeah, I, I, think I mean, it's every, fair to everything say. I do, like I'm starting a new podcast in, in October, the first week of October on mar you have marketing. Two now. I have two now, but I'm starting one on marketing because the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning is marketing. The last thing I think about before I go to bed is marketing, and I'm sure I must dream about it all night long. And I said, well, you need to just start a podcast on marketing because I love marketing. Marketing is so exciting to me, you know, especially in the era that we're living in. And to do it consciously, to do it where you're actually adding value to people's lives, where you're not trying to trick them into a sale. You're trying to romance them into a sale because it's going to actually be good for them. Because it's provide them something that's going to actually change their business and change their lives. Uh, so that to me is why I find marketing so exciting. So what kind of challenges, though, have you had bringing this consciousness into the business world? Well, actually, I've had some interesting challenges. Um, the first challenge I had was, we go back 10 years ago when I was first working on the book and I joined a, a very high-powered $15,000 a year mastermind, and it was all information marketers. Most of them were incredibly successful and out of good intention. They would all, one by one, take me aside and they'd go, JB, um, listen, you got to get rid of this conscious stuff. You need to just go do your good works, you know, on your own and all anybody wants, because that's all they were selling and that's what people were buying. All anybody wants is the money part. And you're never going to be successful if you're trying to sell, be conscious as well. Nobody's going to buy that. And I would go, you don't understand. If I get rid of the conscious part, I just got rid of conscious millionaire and now I'm, all I'm doing is selling the money part. And they're going, that's right, that's what people are gonna buy. And I go, no, no, it's not. That's not what's gonna happen. Because that's not what you're about. No, it's not what I was about. And, and so I think the moral to this story, there is a moral to this story, I mm -hmm. think, is don't give up on your dream 
no matter what somebody tells you. You might need to bring the dream out a little bit different than what you're imagining, but don't give up on the dream. If you really feel this is what you're supposed to be doing on Earth, then let's go through all the business steps. Let's analyze the market. Let's find out what words they need to hear, you know, but let's not give up on the dream because I think the dream is what brings us alive as human beings. And so I had this dream and I wasn't gonna let anybody crush it. I never even once considered that I was gonna take conscious off a conscious millionaire. And it's like, no, they just don't know what they're saying. Today, when I, the moment I say, you know, I, I founded Conscious Millionaire, I have a book, I have a podcast, I have programs. People go, oh wow, that's really cool. I wanna hear about it. That's what I've been looking for. I've been looking for somebody who could tell me how I could make profits and make a positive impact and people just immediately resonate. That's the change in 10 years. I didn't change, not in that piece at all. I still say the same thing, basically. People changed because the consciousness changed and society has changed. And so you were innovative. I was innovative, I was a little bit ahead of my time, but yeah. now that I'm here, I'm really, you know, the difference is everybody wants to do a deal, which is great, mm -hmm. and then nobody wanted to deal because they said, well, that's not gonna be successful. It's not gonna work. What do you think you've learned about yourself through that? To, to never let go of what you really believe, not just your dream, but for me, the moment I got Conscious Millionaire, which was in a hot tub in Reno, and that's the first part of chapter one in my book, I even called it that night my assignment. That, but I'd been going out camping for two and three weeks at a time, doing sweat lodges. I mean, living in Boulder, shaving my head, meditating. And literally what I call asking the universe, why am I here? I've got all these talents, I've got these graduate degrees, I've got all these things I know how to do. I'd already figured out that the answer and the reason I'd sold the companies was I was totally unfulfilled, that the real answer in life is being of service, that that's where fulfillment comes from. But I was, like many people I work with, talented in multiple areas. And I couldn't figure out which area do I go? Do I go do mergers and acquisitions, but it's just for conscious people? What do I do? I think this is, I, I know I traveled that same path. I think this is a, an issue for so many people. It what is. Do you, what do you think about the concept that your purpose in life is not a role that you play, but a feeling that you get? Because what you're saying is all of these different roles that you would play, all of these you just said, you had all these degrees and you had you know, all these different positions and careers and things, directions you could move, and you were just so frustrated that you wanted the universe to tell you, what is it I'm supposed to be doing? I, I experienced that same thing. What do you think that it's not a role that you took all of that and, and now it's, it's that feeling that you get? Well, in my case, the universe did give it to me. Mm -hmm. In my case, I'm in, I was staying in Reno, specifically because I'm trained as a tax attorney, and I think we all know California has the highest taxes, and Reno's 10 miles across uh, from the, the line, uh, the boundary line. And so I was skiing Lake Tahoe for the winter, and I went over to San Francisco that weekend, which is about a three and a half hour direct, direct drive. And on the weekends, it's not bad. It's not bad, it's not bad. You go, you know, you go past It's a beautiful Sacramento. drive. Yeah, and it's really a beautiful drive, and there's, there's not that many people doing it on the weekends. And I was in San Francisco and I passed this rack for these brochures for a green festival, which I knew, didn't know anything about the green festival, never heard of it before. And I just felt compelled to pick up the magazine and I put it in my SUV. Mm -hmm. And when I got back to Reno that Sunday night, I had a hot tub where I was at. So I got in the hot tub and I'm, you know, kind of peeling through the pages 
and I looked down and I saw the word conscious. And right here in my forehead, because I get my intuition very visually, um, I saw the phrase conscious millionaire. Now, I had been thinking for a couple of years I wanted to do a millionaire program because I wanted other people to be financially successful. Because you were financially driven. Like, the thing that, drew, that drove you right off the bat was to make a million dollars. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, and at age five, I said, I'm going to grow up and be a millionaire uh, because I literally could go to the grocery store and I had been trained, came up with a very strict family, and I was taught, do not ask for the candy bar because we don't have the money. And then you kind of pray, you know, that mommy had put candy on the list because if it wasn't on mommy's list, we weren't getting it. Right? And I didn't get to contribute to that list. That was not something that was part of my role, right? So I said, I'm going to solve this problem. When I grow up, I'm going to be a millionaire. And I was serious about mm -hmm. it. You know, I never doubted it from that moment forward. But that was only driven for the money. I wasn't in any way driven for the conscious part. And, and you I, achieved that. And, then you and I achieved and that. And then within three months, I'm going, wait a minute. Something's, I'm 26 at that point. Something's missing. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what it was, but I knew the picture wasn't right. That I had this four-story home, I had the Mercedes, I had the, you know, the, the home on the water, but something wasn't right. And I went off on a journey, sweat lodges, spiritual retreats, Tony Robbins, Wayne Dyer, you know, all of these people to find some truth, and I didn't even know what truth I was looking for. And I find that with a lot of people that are attracted to conscious mood, or there's a section of those people that are right exactly where I was. And I think they're attracted because I know what that's like. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what it's like. So I also understand that a lot of times when people go, well, I want to make more money, they just want to make more money. That's where I was initially because I'm tired of, I don't want to live this way, which makes perfect sense. What I find, because in every survey we do, every product we launch, we survey people, but we also find out where they are on their journey financially. And very quickly, there's a demarcation line between five and 10,000 a month in revenue, where people all of a sudden are interested in conscious things. They don't want just the money, they want the fulfillment, they want to do something that's going to positively impact people, and they're writing that in the survey. And when they're just starting out, they don't have any money at all, they haven't started a business, or they've just barely gotten started, that in conscious millionaires, it's, it's, it's still valuable to about a third of them. They're still thinking that, but there is two thirds of the people that are just initially thinking about how do I get a home payment made? Right. And these are fear. realistic things. They these are very fear. realistic right. things. Exactly. And, and then I think about Maslow's hierarchy. You know, when you're in survival mode, it's very hard for most people to also be thinking, how do I create a vision that changes the world? Mm -hmm. Because I can't even buy food. But when you get past that, what I find is very quickly, people start thinking about others and start thinking about contribution and living with significance and making a positive impact. And I think that's both a, a sign of our times, the shift that we're going through, but I think it's also who's attracted to Conscious Millionaire, you know, is that it's it's entrepreneurs who really want to make a difference in the world. Okay, so you know that I believe to get people to act, it's about envision it first, explore what it would take, and then execute a plan. So for an entrepreneur to become conscious, right, to, to live with consciousness, right, how should they envision their life? Like, what can they see? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So I think it's about envisioning 
I talk about the triple win. You, others, and society winning together. So a lot of times the other needs to be someone, depending on where you are on your journey, the other might be your spouse or your children, or maybe uh, someone who works with you. And society, that's the group piece. So the group piece may be more your business. But what I find is that once somebody starts exploring that, and then thinking about, well, what's gonna be fulfilling to me? It's kind of like a rabbit hole. Now the big rabbit hole is what is conscious, but fulfillment's a rabbit hole too, because someone can start with fulfillment's owning the Mercedes, right? But the great thing about going on a journey is that's just a surface piece. And when you start kind of going down the hole, you begin to realize that another Rolex isn't gonna make any difference, right? Or that getting these diamonds really isn't gonna make any difference. Or staying at the Ritz-Carlton, it's nice, but you didn't get what you thought you got. And you came back from the weekend and you still feel empty. Because when you go down that rabbit hole of fulfillment, you come to the layers in which you feel profoundly empty. And I think that's a very major human experience. And the answer for that emptiness is connection. It's the only way to get that taken care of. And it's connection first with yourself and then with others. And then what you find is you connect with yourself, you realize that there's something bigger going on here. You know, that is that awareness level of conscious. You go, something else is happening that I haven't been tapping into. So how do they act then? Well, I think that it's, it's an individual journey, but what I find is that then people become much more interested in that bigger picture and how can I contribute? I mean, it's the difference between saying it's important that we have water in 40 years. And I remember someone I said that to who was not on a very conscious path. And their answer to me was, I said, I think this is important. And they go, I don't see why it's important. I won't be here. So there's the, that's where you kind of start maybe. It's all about, do I get my palace and then I'm not here? But then, as you just kind of start waking up these cells, literally, you start realizing, but wait a minute, what about my children? So it can be personal. And then it's, but what about humanity? You know, and I think this is that Maslow's hierarchy, is that the more connected we are to something other than ourselves, the more we start realizing there's a reason to be concerned, and there's a reason to change how we're all living, and there's a reason to be focused on creating products and services that contribute to people's lives as opposed to just selling them something to get them to pay you. What do you think you've done that's been most important to you? Personally? Mm -hmm. I think choosing that whatever was authentic for me was going to dictate what I did, whether it made sense to other people or not. And what I'm finding at this particular moment in my life, I'm going through a lot of personal transitions because I'm doing a lot of whole work inside. So I'm doing a lot of healing work. I'm also getting connected with bigger pieces of what I want to do consciously. And people are coming in, new people are coming in, and people who've been around for a long time are choosing to leave. And sometimes I've had to really adjust to that. I mean, this has been going on this, this last six months in particular, and I just go, okay, we took our journey. And now I'm headed in this direction, 
And what I've decided is I'm just headed in this direction. And if people don't stay, it's okay. If people don't see the same vision, it's okay. Because I'm here to live the vision that I see. And I believe when I do that, that I will touch the minds and hearts and souls of the people I'm supposed to be helping at this moment. And I've just learned to let it go. And you are sharing it in, in a way that you have a new product coming out. And you also have, you, you coach people. I do, too. I love so, coaching people. But can you tell everybody, what you have to offer in case what you're saying is something they need. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd like to tell you how I got there because we haven't discussed yeah. this. Okay. This is in the last three, four weeks. Mm -hmm. I've gone through major changes. And so what I want you to do is, is if you're going through something like this, I want you to be bold enough to say, JV did it, I'm going to do it, and other people will do it too that you can live with that authentic passion. So I'm in a movie that's coming out, Rise Up. And it's all about each of us rising up and living the gift inside. What's interesting is that, and I'm interviewing a lot of other people that are in the movies on my podcast. I'm thinking it's three, three and a half weeks ago. It's been like Mount, it's, it's like I'm on a racetrack. It's happening so quickly. They sent me the trailer that had my piece of, of the interview with me that they're putting in the movie. And I watched it, it was a Tuesday night. I sent it out to everybody on Wednesday. So it's been maybe three weeks. The first 12 times I watched it that Tuesday, I cried every time. And it took me about three or four times for me to figure out what I was crying about because they had filmed me recently, but they filmed me a year and a half ago and they chose to use what they had filmed a year and a half ago. The last 20 seconds of it is me profoundly discussing how I live in what I call the millionaire inner zone. And I'm listening to myself and I'm speaking with such depth of authenticity that it even spoke to me and I'm the one speaking it, which was kind of interesting, right? Mm -hmm. And it woke me up because for the last three years, I've said I'm supposed to do a product called Millionaire Inner Zone because it's the most important difference. I've made millions of dollars. I've lived with such greater fulfillment because of all the material I call Millionaire Inner Zone. I said, I need to get this out to the world. I let marketers convince me and, and other people that I spoke with go, oh no, there's too many soft pieces to that. Nobody will buy it. You can't do that. Now here's what's interesting. I had just spent about a month and a half putting together a whole coach academy to train coaches, had it all outlined. We were just ready to shoot the videos and, and launch it the next week. And I said, wait a minute. I, I think I'm supposed to do that maybe as a product, but I don't think that's what I'm supposed to be launching. And in 48 hours, took something that I had been building to, had all outlined, ready to launch, and said, I'm gonna leave it on the sidelines because I can't launch but one thing right now. I can't put all my energy into two things. It won't work, I know that won't work. And I immediately started working on the Millionaire Inner Zone and that was a Thursday and Monday I sent out a survey which was a great confirmation because, because people were just eager to fill out the survey. And now people, I'm talking to those same people and they're eager to buy. And I'm going, okay, I'm getting my confirmations here. 
And I'm now pretty much going to spend most of the rest of the year, I'm now talking to a marketer about a big launch, but I'm doing the program three times live so I can get all the feedback because I want to get all the parts right. So I've already outlined four modules, four weeks, four parts to each module. I already have it outlined the way I want to put it in a product, but now I want to have three different groups of people give me massive feedback about changes that'll make it even better for them. Right. And then I'm going to roll it out in August. And I know already thousands and thousands of people are going to buy this program and that it's what I'm supposed to be bringing out. And to me, that's a perfect example of you, you can listen to all the external voices. And I'm the person who wrote the book, right? And even I get caught in that trap sometimes. Well, just like they said, you yeah. should drop conscious. Yeah, it's right? like, right. But, but this time I listened because people kept saying, oh no, nobody's gonna want that. Well, it's turning out that very early indicators are extremely strong that yes, people do want it. Mm -hmm. And I'm now so on fire because I go, yes, this is the most important material that I could teach anyone. I've made millions doing this. I know that other people can tap into their inner parts in a way that they can get in this zone. I know exactly how to get in it. I know how to utilize it. I know how to bring about business because you're there. I know how to create results faster in this zone. I want to teach it to people so they can duplicate what I have done. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I have come to be known as the 50 States in 90 Days Lady, a concept that is unfathomable to most. If you would like me to come speak at your event about how to envision, explore, and execute a plan, or how to create a life that is more exciting or more meaningful, you can find me at MotivateMePodcast.com. And the world keeps turning and I just keep moving along. Oh, 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 oh. And the world keeps turning and I just keep